This episode of the podcast talks deeply into religion and politics. Please be advised. Like tell <laughs> tell their story and um, like I it, it a lot of people are are different and like uh-huh. people from Washington versus people from Idaho and I mean that's uh-huh. now where I live and it's like whoa so yeah which is crazy right like two states that are basically right next to each other and there's yeah. totally different people yeah yeah but totally. I did want to just say thank you because like you you helped yeah. with this and I'm very grateful. Thank you. That, that means a lot. So, um, yeah. I, I what guess are you doing just... in uh, What are you doing in Idaho? I this? I'm working at a a mine out here. Oh, uh, a silver cool. and, a silver and lead mine as a, a hoist a hoist man, which is like a glorified elevator. Yeah. Operator. That would be really interesting. Yeah, uh, I I guess I've been doing mining for at least the past couple of years because I after high school I didn't go to uh, I didn't go to college. Uh, yeah. Even though I moved to Walla Walla to actually start college when like COVID hit and everything, I uh-huh. moved up here to to live with my brother. Kind of shared like a basement apartment. Uh huh. And then uh, he was working at a a different mine, but then over like dishwashing jobs and then grocery store jobs. I was just like, I need to go and do something else. And then I started working underground, which is, nice. which is crazy. But yeah, I, I never... Be, yeah. Is it kind of scary to go under? Like you don't get like claustrophobic or... The first time it was awkward because when we were driving around and it's like these ATVs underground, uh, mm-hmm. it's not like mine tracks and, and rails and stuff like that. <laughs> right. So modern it, modern mining. Right. And it was always like a tight squeeze. It, it felt like a tight squeeze. But now that I've worked there for two, almost three years, I, it's like nothing to me. It's just underground is just a new perspective. I'm like the mole people. <laughs> that's awesome though yeah like, that would just be definitely a, a a different like thing i i never thought i'd be doing this i honestly thought i'd still be living in washington like trying to go to school and, and all that but i'm 23 now and it's like whoa right oh that is crazy you're 23 yeah yeah wow well, all the people I went to school with are practically graduated now and starting jobs. It's just weird. Yeah. Do you yeah. keep in touch with any of the other students? Yeah, I do. Um, let's see. Magnifique got married. She's already yep. having a baby. Like I know that. What? <laughs> that was fast. I don't even think she, there wasn't even like a pregnancy announcement. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. Right. Yeah. That. Um, but that was fun going to her wedding and seeing, you know, um some of the old peeps uh yeah yeah because that's right you were you were here were you the class that was like right before covid 
Yeah, or, we were we were twenty nineteen. Yeah, that's right. And then, yeah. So then, you know, the class after that was it was a tough year for them. Obviously, yeah. Like the end had, of their senior year, right? Yeah. Um, and then it was just kind of like, yeah, some a few years of just like, oh, we're in COVID, but we're but trying to manage that. And then it's like now we're kind of back to normal. Um, so, so there with that COVID stuff, that was a little weird where it kind of threw off like the normal school schedule kind of thing. Um, but like, for instance, what was funny is at graduation of this last year's, which I think was eighth grade, they would have been eighth grade when you graduated. Okay. Oh Um, yeah, I know. That's (laughs) right. (laughs) So that senior class hearing them talk about you know how they do like the four year historian person or whatever um, talks about, I think it's on class night, um, the four years and hearing them like majority of their memories are like dealing with COVID restrictions. That is weird. Just like, man, their entire high school. Cause it happened the end of their freshman year. Yeah. So crazy. Um, And it was funny because it was stuff like, you know, six feet apart, one way hallways, like all the stuff we had to, we had to keep so that we could stay open. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also kind of sad. Like, oh man, these were like their high school memories. (laughs) Yeah. No, no kidding. Yeah. And they like, they finally now get to, to do all the banquet stuff and, and yeah. And not have to run around with masks on and yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I am ready to begin. Malcolm, Sweet. are you ready? I am ready. I have my uh, throat. Uh, what are these things called? Throat drops? Cro- throat drops. drops. Thank you. <laughs> nice. Um, I don't have a cold open. That's okay. Uh, I think, Malcolm, I want you to introduce it. Cause, uh, cool. Yeah. I think you did last time, so. Yeah. All right. This is Waiting for Seconds, the interview podcast where we ask people who they are and why they are. I'm Malcolm Altgelt, and I'm here with Shannon Miller. Today I'll be speak- we'll be speaking with Crystalline. Hi. Go ahead and introduce yourself if you would. Yeah, totally. So my name is Crystalline. Um, my friends call me Chris. And uh, some people know me as Pastor Crystalline or Crystalline. Um, never crystal because I, and no, no offense to any crystals out there, but I just, yeah, I I met a crystal when I was little that was mean. And so I just (laughs) was always triggered by that name. (laughs) Um, I have done a lot of, um, pastoring as a female pastor, which has been really interesting in my life. Um, as well as teacher. And, um, currently I am working in California with a boys and girls club. And I uh, work with kids from ages kindergarten all the way to high school in character development and leadership, like just really doing some fun programs for them on helping them kind of find out who they are and their place in the world. I have two kids, uh, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. And I have 10 chickens and one dog. 
and I am married to a guy named Steve Martin. Not the actor, though. Not the actor. Not the actor. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Um, I met uh, PK. Uh, I, I'm probably going to call her that for the rest of the episode because that's how I know her. Uh, I met her my junior year, technically, because she was. Uh, that's when she like did a walk around through uh, Auburn Academy, and then mm-hmm. she was my Bible teacher all through my senior year, and. Uh, she was kind of an inspiration for uh, the start of this because during the second semester of my senior year, uh, we got to get to know different like heads of religion. So uh, mm-hmm. Islam, it uh, oh what, it is an imam, imam, mm-hmm. yeah, and then uh, somebody from the Sikh religion. We met uh, oh there were so many others. I, I yeah, a rabbi. Yes, a rabbi and. Um, did we get anybody from like a Catholic? Church? We didn't. We didn't, unfortunately. Um, there was somebody from um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, also known as Mormons. Oh, that's right. And um, that might have been it. A couple of other pastors of different denominations. Um, there might have been one more. Yeah. But. Uh, that's basically how I got to like get the gears turning of of starting this podcast because I wanted to get to know people from different walks of life and try and understand why they do what they do. And yes. so that brings us to PK. Um, so thank you for coming on. Um, oh, totally. Thank us. you. It's an honor. Um, so maybe actually let's just talk about your re- religion a little bit. What were you originally? Uh, Christian or Adventist or how did that go for you? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was born in an Adventist home. And for those who don't know, who might be listening, what is Adventist? It's basically Christian with basically two different beliefs, maybe than mainstream Christianity. Um, um, But what Adventists believe is they are biblically based. So those two beliefs being, it might, might be actually three. The, the second one is kind of connected. So the two main beliefs that are different than maybe mainstream Christianity is um, the Sabbath. So the Saturday being the day of worship versus Sunday. And then um, also the, the second one is like the belief around the state of the dead and hell. And so Adventists believe that when somebody dies, they just cease to exist. Um, and then they, they don't go anywhere. They don't go to any place while they're dead. They're just and they're not in existence until um, the resurrection, which happens at the second coming. Um, and with that belief, there is no belief in an, in an eternally burning hell. Um, so there's no, even at the resurrection, people who don't want to go to heaven, they just cease to exist. They don't go to a place where they burn forever and are tortured, um, like many other Christian beliefs might be around. So that's kind of the difference between um, Adventism and and Christianity. So I have um, I grew up an Adventist. I didn't personally take it on as my own until I was in high school. Um, you know, I would, my parents were it, and I went to church. But I actually had a really cool um, youth pastor who kind of taught us what I ended up doing with my life, which is like, hey, you know, you matter and 
you you're here for a reason. And so we were, we actually were able to do some really cool things um, in our school and being able to be a leader and seeing like, wow, this is really fun to be able to like do some beautiful things in the world. And so that was kind of what got me on my own journey. And even now, like I wouldn't necessarily define myself as a Christian um, because unfortunately Christianity has become so like, um, it's hurt a lot of people. Um, so I, I would define myself as a Christ follower. Um, cause mm. I feel like a lot of Christians don't actually do what Jesus said. <laughs> and so that's my, my tenet or my belief system. I would probably define myself as a follower of Jesus, um, of the Jesus of the Bible, right. That, that like r- did really beautiful things in the world. Um, that in a lot of ways, the church even crucified him, you know, and I feel like a lot of, you can see some of that even with um, Christians today that just do some really awful things in the name of God that are like totally anti what Jesus stood for. So, so that's why, that's why I kind of call myself, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a Christ follower. Um, but I wouldn't probably de- define myself as a Christian that makes sense. I, no, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, cause that's kind of how I feel about it. I, yeah. I haven't been to like an, an Adventist institution or a church and since really high school and, and, uh-huh. uh, and it's because of those reasons that of the people I've meet that they do these horrible things in Christ's mm-hmm. name. Yeah. And that's, what's funny too. Like you look at the 10 commandments and, like one of the commandments being like, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. And a lot of people think that means like, don't say, oh my God. But actually I believe it means like, if you're taking on the name of Christ, like don't misuse it. And so that's the ironic part is you'll find a lot of people who call themselves Christians who have taken on the name of Christ and then they're super judgmental and they're super like hateful. And so they're actually breaking the commandment of don't take the name of God in vain. Um, I don't think I've heard that one before, huh? That yeah, that's, that's yeah, neat. and they're and they just think it's about oh, like don't say oh my God, um, but no, I believe it's actually deeper than that. Um, it's actually about because like honestly, is God going to be like, oh, I'm so offended because you called out my name? No, like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> if anything, you'd be like, yes, I'm here, you know. Um, And so I think that is, there's so much just weird things that people kind of make God out to be in their own image. And, and then they call it a Christian and when it's actually based on their own biases and judgments. Has that more direct relationship ever made it difficult to exist in Christian spaces, like as a pastor? Oh yeah, totally. Yes. (laughs) And the thing the the way I got away with it, I think, is I'm just, you know, in their in their terms, oh, she's just a female pastor. Mm. Because, you know, a lot of um a lot of Christian circles, not all, but a lot of Christian circles can be very much like anti-women leaders. And so when they when they see a, a leader that is a woman and that might be progressive or have the kind of the viewpoints that I have, they can kind of people that are that align with um maybe a more a more judgy viewpoint mm. can maybe just make that excuse like well 
of course she's a female pastor, you know, of course <laughs> so she has like, these crazy ideas. Exactly. So what I do is I just lean into that. I'm like, sure. I mean, if, if, if that's the way you want to say it and, and it, yeah, there've been times that it's been hurtful, but it's also like, I kind of see it as my superpower mm. in the sense that I don't have any strings attached to me. Right. Mm. Um, like I don't have to, because the expectations are already broken. Like I can just be completely myself and I can be, uh, I can be in spaces where people might not know what to do with me and that's okay. And then that actually liberates me. That's very cool. Yeah. Thanks. So, I, so when you say like you're, you're, there's no strings attached, do you mean like more transparent with like uh, the available like company who whoever's around you like, yeah fully yeah. transparent exactly totally transparent um and also with what i mean by no strings attached is like um i'll notice and you'll see this in other organizations too that aren't christian um but when people maybe who are higher up on the ladder like they might have more strings attached as far as pressure and like they have to act a certain way or they might lose donors or they have to act a certain way or say a few things, even though it goes against their own core value system. Sure. Um, whereas, so when, when as a female pastor, um, when people are like, they don't know what to do with me, um, that's actually that no strings attached is like, I don't have to answer to any of that because they don't know what to do with me. <laughs> right. So, so it's actually like a, like a, um, like liberation in the sense of then it gives, I think too, it gives other people permission that feel the strings attached. Like it gets them to question like, wait, why am I, why am I living in a space where there's strings attached? Mm -hmm. Like she's showing that it's possible. I don't have to do that. And so I think, that maybe can break some of those weird, um, even unconscious ways that people get attached to either their ego or, but they call it religion, right? But I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of ego that's involved in, in religion and they might not know that until they come to face to face with like the fact that you can actually be spiritual um, and and I would I would frame it that like there's religion and there's spirituality, right? And religion is man-made. Spirituality is something that is not man-made. And so Personal. when yeah, yeah. Uh and it's like air, the, the way I, I describe the way I would describe religion versus spirituality. So religion is like boxes and and spirituality is like air. So you still have air in a box, right? So it's not that religion is not spiritual. It can be, um, but it can also, if you close the box, it can become uh, like, the, the, like the air can run out. Um, mm. Whereas spirituality is inside the box, but also outside the box. And I think that's the beauty of learning from different religions, learning from other worldviews is this concept of when you actually lean in more to your spirituality, um, you can be religious, yes, but it's not what defines you. Your spirituality defines you. And so you can you can live in the box, but you can also live outside the box. 
because you're you're and I think that's what Jesus did really beautifully is yeah he lived in the box of of the religious uh, people of his day but he was also outside the box which really ticked a lot of people off and that's why they killed him <laughs> eventually um so I think that's really the the liberation is like am I going to be religious or am I going to be spiritual and I I would argue and some people would disagree with me on this, but I would argue it's better to be spiritual because unfortunately religion, because it's man-made, it has its flaws and it's hurt a lot of people. Yeah. Now what, what started uh, like this mindset for you? Was it, yeah. was it just like when you were starting to become a pastor or did you know it just like from as soon as you started to discover your relationship with Christ? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I think it was both. I think um, realizing so. First of all, so I, I grew up in a in a f big family, and I was second to youngest, and I had a lot of brothers older than me. Um, my parents are older than most of the parents of my friend group, and uh, my parents are kind of hippie, right? I mean, listen to my name, Crystalline, right? Yeah. Um, my sister's name is is Starla. So, and then all the, all the guys had names that were like more normal, but we had the poetic hippie names. Um, and my parents, and I didn't appreciate it till later, but my parents always said, Hey, be whoever you were meant to be. Um, we're going to support you no, no matter what you want to do. And I just thought that was normal. Um, come to find out later, that's not every parent does that um, for other people. So I think that started out in that way. Um, and so we grew up, I, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. We were very poor. And so we had to be really creative with our, with our minds and with our time. Um, and, and so then, yeah, when it got into my teen years of kind of discovering who Jesus was, um, once again, my, my youth pastor, my mentor was very much about like relationship based, like it's all about a relationship. And once we view God through a relationship, like it totally opens up our mind to other things and and that really clicked for me um because it's kind of like you know you if you hear like a love song on the radio and it's kind of sappy and you're just like yeah i guess this song is okay but then if you hear that same song and you're actually in love with somebody like that song has a totally different meaning you're like oh my goodness i love this song right you turn it up and you think about the person that you're now in love with or that you have a crush on or whatever and so i feel like that started kind of turning for me like i would hear these church songs that i knew and then once i actually started getting relationship with god it was like oh wow this church song takes on a whole new meaning and and so it was that spirituality versus the um versus the religion and then when it really clicked for me yeah is when i is when i really had um some experiences in college and then my first few years of pastoring which it was like because I really ran away from it. I didn't want, I knew that I was going to be like rocking the boat. I knew that people were not going to agree with anything I did or said because I am a woman. And, um, and I, and I felt claustrophobic just thinking about it. Like, like I don't fit in that box. Like I'm not a pastor. I don't fit in that box. And one day I was, I was thinking about it and, and I really believe this idea came from God because it wasn't in my head. Um, but this, this thought came like, you, I don't want you to fit in the box. Like you define the box. The box doesn't define you. And I was like, what? <laughs> so 
I was like, okay, I actually like that. And that's what shifted everything for me is realizing that I'm not fitting in a box. The box exists, but it's other people's perspectives. But I define what the box is for me. And if other people are bothered by that, that's their own box. And I'm not in their box. I don't care about the box and God doesn't care about the box. So why should, why should I care what these people think about the box? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so I feel like there's so much that people do, even just outside of religious viewpoints along those lines, right? Like, who am I? That people, like, unfortunately, so many people become so um, chained by idea of what other people think of them or like the expectations they have to meet. And it's just like, man, set yourself free, right? Like, and then what, what happens with that is people are like, man, you're so confident. I want to be like you. And so it just shows that their box wasn't even really that great. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you think, uh, do you think about just religion or or spirituality being these boxes or do you see it as uh, just a general thing when it comes to like politics or when it comes to uh, your local, local politics um, or just maybe society? No, good question. That's a great question. Um, I would, yeah, I would definitely see it as, as politics too. Um, and cause let's be honest, like a lot of people are very religious about their politics yeah. and, and it, it, it can get really weird. And, and if we're all truly honest, we might not say this out loud. Like there's good things in a lot of those different camps and, but people can't say that out loud, maybe, <laughs> right? Like, um, and, or if they do feel a certain way about something, it's like, okay, I can't say that in this group of people, or I can't say that in that group of people, or I mean, Thanksgiving is coming up, right? Like, oh no, what if a conversation happens around Thanksgiving with different worldviews around politics? And, and then people get- What if Cousin get, Billy, what if Cousin right? Billy doesn't like what I say? Yeah, and then people get really bent out of shape. I mean, people lose relationships over it. Um, and there's a really great book I'm actually just finishing reading and, um, it's called, oh shoot. Um, it's in my bag at work. Um, but it's, it's, uh, I'll, I'll send it to you later, but it's, it's, okay. it's basically around that idea of it. The, the title is something around like how to have, how to listen well and have hard conversations. And each chapter is like a step in that. And what it really comes down to, um, the author is saying is like, when we really listen to each other as human beings, and we used to be really good at this, I feel like years ago, uh, but when we really listen to each other as human beings and realize that we don't have to change somebody's opinion about something, that we can still leave as, as human beings and as friends and just be like, oh, you gave me a different perspective. And both people can still be in there box or in their camp or but maybe they've expanded their box right like like i'm gonna add a little a little hallway between my box and your box and now like oh okay i can enter into that and i can see where you're coming from i might not agree with it yet because i live in a different uh, mindset but i feel like that would be something that would be really beautiful if we were to lean more into that of just realizing oh we're all different and we're all beautiful and Wow, you have a totally different perspective. 
um, that I've never thought of and having it be safe where we can share our thoughts and our opinions without like worrying about we're going to get in a fight. Right. Right. It, 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 I've noticed now more than ever, there's more aggression towards everybody's, uh, quote unquote boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy because it's like if we all look the same, then that's boring. Like, so the fact that there's like different viewpoints and like, why does it have to be all violent? Like, why can't you be like, oh, that's a really interesting perspective. Huh. I can see why you would think that. Or, oh, I really, I really connect to that one thing. I, I, I don't yet connect to these other things, but that's okay. And I don't know why we can't be confident in that, <laughs> you know? Often right. feel like they're being challenged just because mm-hmm. you feel differently than them, and that's not not what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. What What are some of those hard uh, topics or or hard things to to talk about that's in the book? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. Um. So they don't give anything. So they talk about like racial issues. They talk about politics. They talk about, um, I mean, we even, well, let's even look back at COVID, right? And like, people could get really upset if you wore a mask or if you didn't wear a mask, like um, little things like that, right? Um, and so they, they're kind of talking about these things that are broad, are broad topics, but how people can get really emotional about certain details of the topic. And, and so the book is talking about like, like number one, they, they talk about how, first of all, how do you listen and understanding your own worldview first, which was really fun seeing that. I was like, oh, that's what, that's what we taught in, in senior Bible. What? And, and so in this book is saying, it's so important for us to understand our own worldview, because once we understand our own worldview, we won't be um, trying to get somebody to agree the way we do. Um, we suddenly realize, oh, there's different worldviews, there's different perspectives. I already know what mine is, so I don't need to be challenged by somebody else's. Because I already know where I where I stand. Um, but then also, um, the next thing it talks about is being curious um, rather than being threatened. And I think that this is a huge thing. Um, we, when we feel threatened, is in this book is talking about like ask yourself why. Be curious about that. Like why are you threatened? This person is not threatening you. So what is that about? And so it's really a lot of self-work first and then turning that feeling of being a feeling threatened into curiosity. Um, so, I, so instead of like asking like or, or attacking back somebody, you kind of ask them like, oh, tell me more about why you think that. And, and then it, it creates more of a conversation rather than like a, a fight, right? Sure. It, it seems almost like it's its own meditation. Yeah. Like you're, yeah. you're having a conversation with, with your mind or with somebody else's mind. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, absolutely. would you consider like listening to be also like a form of meditation? I believe so. Yeah. Cause I feel like we don't, my, my mentor, um, one of my mentors in high school, he, he said, we ha- you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. We don't, we don't listen. I mean, let's be honest, like even when you're talking with a good friend and there's no threat or there's no difference, maybe they say something that's a great story, 
And a lot of times we'll start thinking about our own story that their story reminds us of, right? And so we politely wait for them to finish so that we can tell our story. And then maybe something in our story triggers them to be like, oh, that reminds me of something too. Um, And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, right? But one of the things my mentor taught us to do in those instances is um, he, he played this game with us called find the bottom line. And so when people tell you a story, you, you, you listen, and then you say, tell me more about that part of the story. Kind of like what you guys are doing right now on your, on your podcast, right? Yeah. And yeah. And, and suddenly it's huh. like, and people don't know what to do with that. They're like, wait, you want to hear more? And they're like, yeah, tell me, like, unpack that more for me. And then maybe that even unlocks something else. And so it's like this tree branch that you're going off of. And then you find like this piece of fruit that's like, whoa. And so it's basically like five questions of that before you ever get to your own story. Um, and so he would do this, this to, to teach us how to listen well. Um, but I do feel like that is a lost, more and more so a lost art. And I don't know if that's with social media, you know, everybody just kind of types back and forth to each other. I don't know, but I feel like there could be some really beautiful things and it, and it's longer. Like it's a longer process of a conversation than just like, I said my part of the debate, I heard yours, we're done. You think that is? I mean, you mentioned social media. The internet has made the world so much more connected and so much faster these days. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's the fault of the internet or do you think that was a phenomenon before the internet? Ooh. Yeah, repeat that question one more. That's a good question. Repeat it. uh, the basis of it is, do you think that that's the internet's fault because it makes everything so connected and so easy to just process every little bit of information and let it fall out your ears? Or mm. was that a thing that happened before the internet? Ooh, I love that question. I think it happened before the internet. Um, I, th- I think the internet is just a tool, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's inanimate. Um, and I And I think... I think that was happening before the internet. And then when things started getting super polarized, um, and, I, and I think this is where maybe um, news can come in. Mm. Like when news only talks about five things that are happening in the world and it doesn't matter what news channel you go to, like everybody's talking about the same five things. Well, obviously there's more than five things happening in the world. Um, and, and, or clickbait, right? There's these really extravagant things. Oh, I have to, I want to hear about that. And people are getting emotional about certain things. And so I think it's, it's pieces of that, but those are people behind that, um, doing that. And for their own either clicks, how many clicks can we get? Um, how many, how many subscriptions can we get? Whatever. Um, it kind of maybe all comes down to ego in some ways, but I, I think that, yeah, in answer to your question, yeah, I think the internet is a beautiful thing. Um, and, and I think um, because of people's propensity to like not listen and to lean into their ego, um, it has, people have used it wrong. Um, not all people, but, but it has been used, I think, in a way that that has... Uh, propelled some of that misuse of listening because what's cool is you can leak and you've, you've probably seen this um you know you can see like 
a thread that's going viral. Maybe mm-hmm. it's something political or whatever. Yeah. And you see people that are getting really like um, emotional, right? And maybe it's uh. all caps suddenly. Like people are yelling in their, in their typing. <laughs> the emojis are going. Um, and then... <laughs> And you're, we're just kind of eat, eating popcorn watching it, right? Because like, oh, this is really interesting. Um, and then what's interesting is you hear, you start seeing maybe somebody asking a question. Like, tell me more about why, why you think that. And then suddenly, even just reading the thread, um, you can see listening skills come up in questions. And it, the energy kind of shifts. And now suddenly there's an invitation of like, Okay, the people who are super polarized typing these different things out, are they going to lay down their ego for a minute and be like, oh, I kind of see what you're saying there, even though I don't agree. Um, and I think that's the the phenomenon that's interesting is some people will do that, but a lot of people will be like, well, I already showed my cards and I have to act tough mm-hmm. to, to, to show that I'm, that I really believe what I'm saying. And, uh, yeah. Would it be fair to say that the internet just exacerbates all of human everything? Like it's not a cause. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say that's fair. Yeah. Cause it can be, once again, it can be exacerbate a good thing. Mm -hmm. It can exacerbate a bad thing. (laughs) And then, and then unfortunately, right. Like the more clicks you get on something and usually people click the stuff that's juicy and like, and like volatile. Because it's because they get ticked off and they're like, I can't believe this. Can't believe what this person said. Check this out. And they share they share a link. And what they're doing is they're actually creating an algorithm of um, volatility or whatever the word would be. Right. Volatility. Yeah, sure. Uh huh. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's an interesting phenomenon of. Like, yeah, humanity, I think. Um, and it's, and it's like, why are we so quickly trying to solve a problem that's probably not going to be solved in a thread Mm -hmm. rather than like asking questions that are, that we're curious about, um, before we get to a conclusion of let me defend my point and then screw all of you, you're all going to hell. You know like I mean? Like people Uh get suddenly like, whoa, that just got blown out of proportion. And we're talking about like apple pie. You're going to hell for your opinions on apple pie. <laughs> right, right. Which kind of apple do we use? <laughs> yes, honey, what kind Chris of pie Bert. are you making? Mm-hmm. Do you do crumble top or do you put do you do a full <laughs> a full pastry? Do you crisscross? Well, with that topic of uh like discussing about humanity. Um <laughs> with that topic you, of apple pie. With that a topic of apple pie. <laughs> Uh, do you think, uh, or or do you tend to be like an optimist or a pessimist? And also coming off of that, do you see people being like innately bad or innately good? Mm, good question. Um, I see myself as a realist, and um, and sometimes that might come across as pessimistic to some people. Sometimes that might come across as optimist. I probably am an optimist. I'm, I'm probably an optimist realist, if that makes sense. Okay. Sure. Um, so, for instance, I don't know if you've ever heard the the thing like the glass half half full or half empty, mm-hmm. right? So, optimist half full, pessimist half empty. A realist says there's water in a glass. 
so so i would i would i would call myself a realist um with an optimistic flair meaning that i think there's always hope um i don't think that people are innately bad and this this really came through for me when i became a parent <clears throat> um and i heard this from other people like oh yeah when you have kids your life's going to change blah 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 and uh it did in the sense of like i have two kids that are completely different from each other and but they were they're both born from the same parents um they both grew up in the same house they're still growing up uh, my daughter is very much um doesn't like to snuggle she'll take a hug but she's not a big snuggler um she's everything has to be done a certain way my mm. son my son is a snuggler like he wants to cuddle and snuggle and um for him there's a million ways to do things you like don't take away the fun and tell me there's one way to do things right so they're a complete opposite <laughs> uh but they're like best friends they play with each other they also fight because they're so opposite um and but both of them are good mm -hmm. like they're both good and they're both beautiful and, and, and pure. And I mean, they'll do things that are maybe quote unquote bad, but it's like, why is it bad? Is it bad? Because like, who says that something is bad or good? Um, meaning, um, so my daughter had a speech impediment, right? So she couldn't talk fully. And you, you, you remember this Shannon. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she, she had a little bit of a hard time yeah. saying like full words. Yeah. And it took her probably till the age she was five to be able to really make full sentences. She couldn't say, I love you, mommy, until she was like four. And she, when we moved up to Washington, she was two. So um, depending on who you ask, people could say like, oh, there's something wrong with her. Yeah, I guess you could say that. But she just had a, a speech impediment. So she needed some tools to help get her along. And now she, you can't even tell. Um, Nobody would even be able to, to know that. There's a few times that she'll stutter, um, but even then it's very brief. Um, my son, you know, he came out, like I said, he came out this morning with, with marker all over his face. Now I could say, <laughs> you're a bad boy, right? You drew all over your face. Actually, it was really funny. And in reality, he's really creative. Um, maybe it's not a good idea to use permanent marker. <laughs> he <laughs> <laughs> got to go to school like that um he, he, it was funny he was like he was like i was trying to make a zombie on my face i'm like okay well yeah you you look great uh, <laughs> right and so in that moment though i have i have the invitation as a parent am i going to make him feel ashamed of that or am i gonna like lean into the the fun and creativity of it and then maybe encourage him maybe to do it differently next time um because he's just he just has the tools that he has in his five years of life. And so I think that people being bad or good, I think that is something that is created by the person's perspective of what they determine is bad or good. Um, and this goes back to religion, maybe too, and spirituality. You know, people said I was bad for being a female pastor. It's like, mm -hmm. well, why? Like, why, why is that wrong? Like, does it really come down to um, genitals? <laughs> is that like can't god use anybody like 
Are you saying it? And I would, I actually said this once to somebody. I said, so are you telling me if I got a sex change, God would be cool with me being a pastor? <laughs> and they didn't, they didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> no, I'm sure they did. <laughs> so, so it's like, so I think, I think like people being innately good or bad is we really have to define what is good or bad. And then what I have found is that comes down to people's worldviews. Um, Cause go, let's go to yeah. politics, right? Somebody could say, um, Democrats are bad. Somebody could say the Republicans are bad. Well, like, are they like, are there good and bad things in both parties? Um, but then who is saying it's good or bad? It's probably based on somebody's worldview or their value system or the way they were raised to define it as good or bad. So I don't know if that's too, too deep, but no, I mean, it, it, it shows you that there's so many variables to what determines what we think of, uh, as good or as bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and even, even on that note, like, um, there was somebody, there was somebody who, um, who was struggling with, um, like pornography, right? I'll use that as an example. Cause this actually came up in, in a class discussion once and they were saying, well, here's a, here's a hypothetical situation. Somebody's struggling with pornography. They're married and it's, it's affecting their marriage. Um, are that, is that person bad? And to which I answer, well, what why are they wanting to go to pornography and the reason they're wanting to go to that is a good reason maybe they're feeling lonely maybe they are feeling like they want to connect um maybe deep in their heart they they have a longing to be loved and maybe they're going to a source that's not going to work because it's not going to be fulfilling long term but the desire in and of itself that's driving them towards a maybe a behavior that is that might hurt other people or themselves the the bottom line foundational desire is not bad um it's a good thing and and so i think that is a perfect example of like so many times we focus on behavior and we don't ask the question well what's behind the behavior like what is what's driving it and usually it's a good thing that's driving it um or it's something that needs healing like mm. if, if a kid goes out and, 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 um, and gets in a fight with somebody, right. And you come to find out, well, there's other things going on in their life, mm. right? Like that's the deeper issue. And is, are they a bad kid? No. Um, what are the things that are going on in their life that need healing and that need, and that need help because they are good. Like they are a good person. Mm. So I would, I would say like, I think, I think all people are good and we just, maybe just don't understand some people or we don't understand their background. Um, sure. They're just different, but. It is interesting from a parental point of view, because your kids are so much older than some of the other, I think we've only had two other guests who've had uh, a, a kid uh, mm -hmm. like Mr. Underhill. Um, oh yeah. Is one of them. And then my, my buddy Blake, he, he has uh uh, he has a six-year-old who's like just starting oh, yeah. to get into school. But to hear that, like your kids might end up doing something weird or, or, or something different in, in somebody's eyes is not necessarily a bad thing. It was mm -hmm. just, 
now they have marker on their face. They have that consequence, <laughs> but it's not like yeah. it's not like a bad consequence. Right. Right. I, and I think that's where the that's where the invitation is apparent. And this is where it's so hard for me. Like, in other words, if I'm tired and I feel like irritated, if I feel irritated at that, that's me. Like, and I can't put my own irritation on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where it's like, oh my goodness, there can be a lot of pressure being a parent. Um and you you might remember this, Shannon. Like, um, so Avery loved to dance in the aisle during songs during church. Um I don't remember uh, that. Yeah. So she would go, she would go out into the aisle so that she could dance. And which I love. I loved it. Um and Pastor Angel at the time, who was pastoring there, he loved it too, which was great. We we were in a church that supported that. Um, but there was one church once that she did it in, and they were and somebody came over, they're like, um, yeah, it might not be the best thing for her to be doing. So I was like, seriously, you're going to tell my three-year-old daughter that her dancing is bad? Why? Because it's dancing? <laughs> I'm not going to tell her that. No. And you, then we just don't go back to that church anymore. Um, <laughs> right? Because it's like, hey, they have some, they, they have some of their own um, stuff that they need to deal with. And then they're putting it on other people and, and religious, re- religifying it. And uh, and it's actually their own crap. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it it is weird to. It's just weird situations that happen like that. Like, because all all your daughter wanted to do was just move to the music, right? And yeah. positivity. I mean, right. Sure. And that's her way of worshiping, right? Yeah. And that's where it's fun. You get all, I. As a female pastor, I know all the all the verses that can mess with people. So like, <laughs> like so if somebody says that, you know, when that person said it, I was like, oh, actually, there's a psalm that says dance to the Lord in the <laughs> Psalms. <laughs> so then they're like, well, what are they going to do with that? Well, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, so that I think that's where it's fun. That's where it gets fun of like, okay, if you're going to, if once again, people taking the name of God in vain. And making God out to be a weird dictator when if God is love, like it says in first John four, like if God is love, that's not that's not dictator. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's nowhere near like political or mm. right. God is just a pure representation of love, and why would that care if you like to dance in the aisles? Right, exactly. Especially as a three-year-old? Like, give me a uh-huh, break. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. Um, well, ooh, I'm trying to, th- looking at the questions. Um, <laughs> Malcolm, did you have a, want to ask a question? Um, not sure. just pushing it on you. Sure. Uh, I'd like to ask you, and okay, this is kind of a, a little bit of a weird question, uh, but I love weird if questions. If you, yeah, if you won, uh, for example, the Powerball, mm-hmm. uh, a massive multi-million, maybe even billion-dollar lottery, what do you do with that money? Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I'm dreaming. No, I'm dreaming. <laughs> um, you know what? I love, I love that question. Um, and the reason why I love it is there's like, so there's two forks in the road. <laughs> like there's two mm. forks. <laughs> so automatically I'm like, get out of debt, get my family out of oh. debt. Um, put my mom up. Um, she got out of the paradise fire and, uh, she, she lived with a, in an apartment. Um, but she lost everything in that fire a few years ago. Um, Oh yeah. The paradise. Yeah. Paradise fires. Um, set my kids up, get a house, not have to work ever. And I know these <laughs> sound really selfish, but, <laughs> um, and then with the rest, I think it would be really fun to just like do some beautiful things in the world. And, and I really wish like it could, if, if it could include like policy changing on some stuff where, mm. where you could actually like, um, enact policies that would create more love for, for other people, whether that means food. Um, like it's so crazy that we have, we have enough food. Do they say that we have enough food in, in the world to feed everybody? Um, so like policy stuff on that. The other thing I would do is I probably wouldn't tell anybody that I won. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know if you, so I read this, I read this, article a few years ago i think it was in reader's digest of this guy who won the powerball powerball and he told people about it and then he like his personality changed because like his ego got big um and it's kind of a really sad story like how he had all this money but he got like all this power like in his life and he it didn't buy him happiness. It actually bought him the opposite. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying money can't buy happiness. I think, I think it can buy things that can bring comfort um, into the world. But it's like, once, once there's certain things out in the world that people know of, it's, I don't know. So I, I, that, that would be my question. That would be my answer. It's it's very like let's take care of the people I know, um, and then do something beautiful in the world. But yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think I would want anybody to know that I want it. Sure, because because there's like I think there's an option of like just staying anonymous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not having your name out there yeah. or like where you're from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and even just like I would want people to still like want to hang out with me because they want to hang out with me, not like not my money. money. Not a million dollars. <laughs> right, right. But isn't that weird? Like money is just weird. Like have you have you ever thought about yeah, it? it? Like oh yeah, it it's a value that we've put on. It's like it's like borderlines, mm. like like country borders and and county borders. Like it's something that we've created value wise, but like doesn't exist or does it no i've i've definitely been thinking about this a lot more recently that um you take away somebody's money they're back to being just like everybody else yeah that their money is is worthless unless we give it worth right and even just like most people what use now like a credit card a debit card So when I'm, yeah, so when I, when I swipe my card for groceries or whatever, like, 
yeah, there's money in the bank, but I never, I, I don't see it. Um, and what's it based on? Is it based on the gold preserves? Because I've heard that. Like, what gold preserves? I don't, I don't think there's anything. <laughs> I think it is. I think we moved away from a gold-based. Yeah. So what is it based on? The I, fact I, that we continue to collectively give it value. Right. That's it. Yeah. Which is so crazy. Because then it's like, okay, hey, what if we just said we're not putting value in that anymore? Mm. And we're just going to, like. Do like, trades. Trade and stuff. Yeah. Like we used to. Then, then these these like uh, super rich people who like like Mr. Beast for example, if he if yeah. he just lost all of his money, he would just be like you and me, like mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. When there's like, wait, who am I? Mm. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's so. Uh, I've never thought about that like so much until recently, mostly mm -hmm. because I. Uh, when it, the Powerball was like 1.7 billion, I I got a ticket just because I was just like, it'd be really mm -hmm. cool. And now <laughs> just thinking about it, obviously I didn't win anything, or else yeah. I wouldn't be here. I'd be off on an island. <laughs> right? No, we put it. We put in a few times, just like, ah, let's see what happens. Oh. Uh, but I can't even imagine too, like seeing those numbers and seeing that you won. Like, what? But yeah. then based once again, based on what, like, I guess, I guess we, I guess the, the parable might be different though, because everybody buys into it. Right. That's how they, mm. that's how it grows. That's, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as like the economy or like the, the, the whole money in and of itself is a weird thing that we're all like agreed to. Yeah. Um, as normal, like we've all, we've all said it's normal and that's it's... why we have to kill ourselves in these eight hour mm -hmm day jobs like when yeah, was the day to work ourselves to the bone exactly like wh when was like when was it ever a day where you could just like i really love art and i'm gonna do art because that's what i love to do and that's what i was created to do right and then i don't have to worry about it getting paid for that because life is not set up on that mm -hmm. just let like me once. do art yeah or people who like to garden or i don't know to, in many ways, it's a self-reproducing system because the people with power have that power through money and yes. as such want money to continue to give them power. Yes. So. Yes. And then. They stop it? That's true. <laughs> right. And then we're, the rest of us are kind of the peons that get to hope, uh -huh. like, maybe we'll get there one day and most of us don't. And that's why um, we put in for the Powerball. And that's why we put the Powerball. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But when you, 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 in all reality, and here's the interesting thing, in all reality, like, because um, my kids are growing so fast and I look back at certain points, like, <laughs> the things that make, that bring the most happiness are moments that have no money. Like, yeah. are moments that are just, like, creative, fun. Um, and I feel like that's what it's going to be like on, on our deathbeds. Like when we look back, we're not going to be thinking of like, oh, I really, those good old days when I was doing my, working myself to the bone. <laughs> <laughs> those were good times. <laughs> I loved when I worked at Walmart. Right? My life. Right? It was of such a great purpose. Uh, uh, I mean, we're going to re remember the things that were, that required no money. Mm -hmm. Like the sitting down, having conversations, playing board games with friends, laughing, 
laughing your yeah. ass off over mm-hmm. something silly. Like those are the things that are gonna are gonna be the things that like, man, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's a good question. That's that's I think that's a perfect way to to wrap it up. I mean, it's already almost one fifteen, which is where we were gonna cut off. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and hanging out with us. I I definitely got a new perspective uh, about you just because like this is a, a platform that uh, didn't associate with with the school, so mm-hmm. we couldn't right. just not say what we wanted. Or <laughs> uh, that's right. So, that's right. Um, I've definitely yeah learned a lot about your perspective and just kind of how you live life. I mean, it's way too similar to mine uh especially now that i'm out of high school (laughs) right on Um, so thank you for coming on uh let's do housekeeping stuff uh thank you to nadia diaz for our podcast cover art uh her instagram is at arthead creations on instagram that's gonna be in the description um, and thank you to Jensen Crawl who made the intro and outro song for the podcast. Um, go check out his demo, Knocking on Doors, for his musical tea time that he's been working on for a long time. You can find that anywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, wherever. Um, that's also going to be linked into the description. And then send Malcolm and I questions so we can ask people like Pastor Crystalline. Uh, random questions uh you can send it to our email uh waiting the number four seconds at gmail.com so thank you uh once again thank you pastor crystalline for coming thank on you. thank you so it much. was an honor thank you great meeting um, you same so hopefully everybody had a great thanksgiving because that's when this is kind of releasing ish so until next time on this jed Almost dead.